this team is so bad to get a win. Wow. And if, if they beat Marshall, which, by the way, I'm in no way guaranteeing and would not be surprised to watch them lose Saturday against Marshall. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Welcome into this week's episode of the Yak Sports Podcast, your Augusta County Sports Podcast. I'm Leland McRae, Joe Deck with me just like always, and let's hop into the high school football where Riverheads advances to their fourth straight state championship game, and they're looking for their third state championship trophy. Joe, what were your thoughts from that Essex game? Um, as expected, uh, the first half was a little close, but I think you and I both knew what was coming in that second half. And really it just came to Riverheads, not turning the ball over because Essex couldn't stop them. If Riverheads didn't stop themselves and Essex is a one man team, uh, literally Dameron had accounted for 90% of their offense and that's being generous. Probably it was probably more than that. So, uh, and he's just a big kid. I mean, look, he's a very good football player. He's probably built more to play linebacker or D-line at Old Dominion than he is running back just because of his build and because of his build. And he had a one he had the one touchdown run. It was a big run. I think it was uh, 50, 56 yards, 56 and it made it yards, 14-6 and made it a ball game, made it a ball game. But they decided to go for two. But because he ran 56 yards, he can't he just doesn't have the stamina to get back in there and then run a two point conversion, I, which is why that call was so odd to me but uh, it didn't they failed on the two-point conversion and then the rest of the game went as expected in my opinion where Riverheads beat them by three scores I said 21 it was by 22 uh I didn't count on them going for two and failing so (laughs) I was I mean I'm pleased with the outcome it's our local team it's my alma mater I'm I'm happy we get to go state cover another state championship I thought it was gonna be closer I thought Early, it was looking like I was going to be right with Riverheads fumbling twice and th- them just not getting in motion. And then even after they stopped fumbling, they're still punting. And I was like, man, they're just not getting in a groove. But they get the one touchdown. Um, and that was after a uh, they snapped the ball over the uh, holder's head on a kick. And that really was the momentum turning the ball game where, you know, it was kind of going both ways and no team really getting any extra. Riverheads receives that turnover. They drive down, they score, and it's Riverheads' game from there because they they score again before Essex does. And at, at halftime, it's seven nothing. And not talking to you, uh, someone asked me how I thought it was going, and I was more relaxed. I was more relaxed than the beginning of the game, even though it was still only seven nothing. Even though I had seen Riverheads kind of struggle for four drives, and it's just because Riverheads really didn't play very good in that first half and was still leading seven, nothing at the half. And that defense was doing exactly what I was hoping the defense would do to, to calm the atmosphere there and keep Essex from driving down the field. Sure. Dameron got one in the second half and, and made it a ball game, but Riverheads just clinched their fist fist on it and really just dominated the rest of the game. And even with giving up that six, never, never lacked control of that game from the second quarter on. Yeah. And I told you at halftime for multiple reasons, but the biggest one that I'll talk to you about right now is I knew Dameron was the one man team. I knew the way he was built. He's not going to be able to go four quarters with being the only guy. I didn't see anybody else on that Essex offense look like they were going to be a threat. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, if Riverhead scores, 
one touchdown, that might be enough. Uh, I'm sure Riverheads will score at least two. And yeah, so yeah. it was over. I mean, you're, you're right. And at halftime, if you recall, I didn't argue with you. I just said, shut nope. up. I didn't want to hear yeah, it. I you, didn't argue you with were you. afraid I was going to jinx it, which <laughs> because I, I was feeling more confident about it. I mean, when you talked about the 90% of the offense running through them, I, I do think you're light because if they threw a pass that was complete, he was involved in multiple of those and the other yeah. and the real quarterback wasn't. And then on the receiving uh, play, he made the big receiving catch. I mean, he just really, if he wasn't involved in the play, hey, they were probably doing right. It's probably was, 95, 98%. Yeah, it really probably is. And I, I was surprised the quarterback wasn't more impactful. He was last year. Uh, I was surprised they didn't have any other weapons they could get the ball to. I, they they were more dynamic last year. I understand why they changed their offense and they were it played to what they could do well, probably better throughout the season. But in this game, like we said in the pregame, hey, look at this offense they're running. It's very similar to what Buffalo Gap runs. Look what Buff, what Riverheads did to Buffalo Gap. Do you expect it to be the exact same? No, but it was pretty darn similar. Yeah, and again, uh, Riverheads just controlled them it's a one-man team like buffalo gap for the most part was a one-man team and they dismantled them so yeah they gave up one big run because dameron is a good football player he is going to yeah, score eventually yeah. and yeah. so you know you can't he he got in the end zone and that was it uh after that riverheads took him out of the game more or less after that big run so uh, i i don't know i Again, for me, I wasn't surprised at what we saw. I knew Riverheads was going to dominate them when they came in just because it was going to be a matchup problem for Essex. Um, I, I, and this is going to be a matchup problem next week for Chilawi, and I, I, let's go ahead and fast forward. That's who they're going to play um, because Galax lost. Galax was the more of a threat, in my opinion, to Riverheads' state championship goals this year. I don't know if Galax would beat them, but I at least think that might have been a game. Um, Chilawi will not be a game. Uh, we're going to talk to Tim Hayes, who's going to tell us why I'm wrong and talk up Chilawi a little <laughs> bit. But I just don't see this being a game. This team lost by 42 last year. This team is not better than Riverheads. Um, they're they're not better than the Gladiators, in my opinion, by six scores. So I, I just have a really, really hard time foreseeing this plan panning well, out. We'll hold predictions maybe till the end of the podcast after we talk to Tim. Uh, we'll hit it at the end. Another reason to stick around for the whole entire podcast. Let's move on to East Rock. They get bumped by Goochland, and it's, you know, it was I don't think it was David versus Goliath, but it was who's been there and who hasn't. And I think that played a role in there. I, you know, a lot of the talk going to that state semifinal, it just seemed like very, you know, we've arrived. And uh, Goochland, I can't, I wouldn't believe they had that attitude. So um, they came in there, they played a good game, they got up and they stayed up. I really didn't think that game was going to go that way. I thought the offense from East Rock was very explosive. I thought they were going to be able to do things on Goochland. I couldn't imagine Goochland being more athletic than them. And and we weren't there to see it, so maybe they weren't. But Goochland controlled the football game. And you could see by the way the score game, the scores went in the second half, Goochland really just ran the football held onto the ball and didn't let East Rock an opportunity to start coming back. That East Rock defense that we had seen week in, week out in the Shandoah district did not have the kind of success that they had had during the regular season. I think that's the biggest difference. The offense did. I mean, they scored 29 points. That's a pretty good day. Yeah. The offense against a the good offense. Goochland defense. Yeah. And you know, they gave up 44. It's hard to win. Um, you're right. We weren't there. So we were going off tweets and from the way it looked, you know, Goochland 
was leading the entire game and kind of controlled it the entire game. Yeah. Um, so, you know, good season for East Rock. Unfortunately, it's a very senior heavy team. We'll have to see what they bring next season. Uh, again, it won't be in the Shenandoah district, but they'll be playing some Shenandoah district teams. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have a chance to them. see them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully for East Rock and their program that they're able to reload. It's been kind of a tradition there at East Rock. They haven't really yeah. dropped off that much. They've been nope. a postseason team, I think, every year, but except the first year. Every year, but their first year of existence. Yeah, that's pretty so, good. So I don't see them dropping out of the playoffs by any means. They no. still have a lot of talent coming behind. Sure, a lot of the starters were seniors, but they were getting a lot of playing time for a lot of different guys. I think they'll stay very competitive, uh, probably be in the mix for the district, but probably not win it, but probably think they can. Uh, but then in two years, I think they'll be kind of primed for another, you know, piece postseason run. Things have to formulate to see if it's a state run or whatnot, but they're not going to drop too far off. No. And they're going in the same district as Loray, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Loray's going that district. Yeah. Loray is going to be very good again. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying East Rock's going to win the district. I just think, they're going to bring enough to oh, think they'll be they have good. a chance. Yeah. yeah, sure. All right. Uh, so that's the high school football talk. If you want to hear more opinions on our high school football talk, listen to us Saturday starting at 1030 a.m. on ESPN 1240 The Boss on the AM 1240 or online by searching WTON or ESPN 1240theboss.com. All right. Football at the college level. We're going to talk about our locals first, and then we'll get to the big conversations of Virginia Tech. Bowl game three weeks ago. We're going to whatever our opening was. We don't know what that is yet. We're going to edit that in. But it's something to make us look foolish probably about this bowl game. Probably me whispering. I don't think we're going to win. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was uh, it was surprising. Uh, they they pounded Marshall 41 to 20. It was the best. The defense has looked all season uh, since maybe the Florida State game. Uh, they were tackling. They weren't missing a lot of tackles, which was, I think, the best part for me um the offense really clicked ryan willis threw four touchdown passes which was amazing yeah um now that being said i still think ryan willis is the wrong quarterback for the system he's trying to run but ryan willis is better than josh jackson and he's good enough to get the job done this year to get us to a bowl game and probably get us smoked by cincinnati and the military <laughs> bowl but that's fine Let's um, hold the bowl game talk for a we, second. We got to the bowl game, and that's what matters. I do yes. want to piggyback off a rant you had last week because I saw it out there a lot, and I guess the UVA fans were just holding on to it in case Virginia Tech lost and didn't make a bowl game. But the 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 talk that you know Virginia Tech bought this game and bought a bowl, oh, they're so playing stupid. 12 yeah. games. It's the same thing as every other team in the country. Um, and every t- and every I'm sorry. Team- I, UVA, a lot of years you could play 15 games and you still wouldn't get a bowl game. Virginia Tech played 12, which is by rule, and we're in a bowl game for the 26th year in a row. And if you're counting over there in Charlottesville, that is the longest active streak in the country. So go ahead and tell us how much better you are in Virginia Tech and how much smarter you are because for 15 straight years, whether it's in your little uh, quiet library of Scott Stadium or you come to a loud house like Lane Stadium, you've been getting peppered, whether you're the team with more talent or not so you know what soak up your tears um the salt tastes great uh and to be fair in charlottesville they don't soak up their own tears they have someone to do that for them sure well enjoy it because i got news for you Uh, i know virginia tech won't win their bowl game spoiler alert you won't win yours either i don't get the 
the bought the bought the game. Every team that had their game canceled, except for WVU, which is is better than all these other teams. They didn't need the twelfth game to get into a bowl game. They control their destiny themselves. They everybody rescheduled. NC State rescheduled. East Carolina rescheduled. Uh, um, there was a, there was two other teams. They Miami all rescheduled. rescheduled. Everybody rescheduled except one team. So like it's it's not that Virginia Tech did something wrong. So and also we, here's the other thing. Virginia Tech, people saying, well, they announced it right before the UVA game. Marshall wasn't plan A. Southern Miss was plan A back at the beginning of October, and Southern Miss waited until mid-November to decline Virginia Tech. So then at that point, Virginia Tech is scrambling to find another team. They find Marshall, and that's who they get. Yeah. Who, by the way, is better than the terrible East Carolina team they were going to play, who lost by 50 points to NC State. So... Let's go back in time and say they play East Carolina and they smoke them and they get six wins. Are you still crying that Virginia Tech played no. 12 games? Not to continue bashing on UVA, but also I saw tweets about talking about the crowd size at Virginia Tech. Any UVA fan can't do that. You just you just can't. You oh, can't stop. talk about yeah. crowd size at Virginia Tech. You guys get nobody when Oregon comes to town, when Oregon was awesome. You, it's more Hokies in the stadium than Wahoos every other year when it's played in Charlottesville. So just, you can let the rest of the country make fun of Virginia Tech for only having 30,000 people there. UVA fans can't do that. Little known fact, the series finale of the game show that used to be on MTV Silent Library was filmed at Scott Stadium with <laughs> during a UVA game, and everyone won the money. All right, so now the bowl game. Virginia Tech moves on, faces Cincinnati, I'm just not the type of fan you are, so I'm going to have some kind of faith that they can pull out a victory somehow. I don't know much about Cincinnati. I've paid very little attention to them, and I'm probably eat these words, and we can use them later. But I think Tech will win. I think Bud will coach them up for a few weeks. We don't traditionally do well in bowl games, but I'm hoping we can this year. I'm hoping we turn some kind of corner uh, between uh, that Miami beating and beating UVA. I'm hoping we can use that momentum and win. You don't think the same, I know. I don't. I think the American Conference is better than the ACC top to bottom this year. I think Cincinnati played pretty well. They, I'm not sure if they're in the top 25 right now. Not but they, top to bottom. Not like yes, okay. top oh, to yeah, bottom. Yes. The uh, overall, you're not saying the top is better. No, overall, okay. top to bottom, Just the American is better. The full conference. Clemson's probably better than UCF with their starting quarterback hurt. But if UCF starting quarterback is healthy, maybe they beat Clemson. I don't know. Yeah, that's another topic. I don't know. It's another topic we probably want to get into today. Um, I know UCF right. won their conference championship with their backup quarterback. That's why I probably don't think as much about their conference. I'm hopeful. I don't want to listen to you talk about them, that they're going to lose for months. So we probably just won't talk about the Hokies for two weeks. <laughs> no, that's fair. We won't. I mean, we're talking about it now. I don't think they're going to win. You do. So we'll talk about it uh, in 2019. UVA gets the Belk Bowl. It's a nice bowl game. Uh, they're in Charlotte. Uh, easy to travel to for anybody that's in it in the ACC. Uh, they get South Carolina. That's a that's a tough matchup. South Carolina, uh, not a dominant team in the SEC this year, but still not a pushover. I put on here at least two scores, probably more. I Honest to goodness, outside of Clemson beating a Notre Dame, the ACC might not win a bowl game. They are that bad of a conference. Did you look at the other matchups? I don't need to. I just know this conference no, lays a, down like matchups. a dog. There's some favorable matchups there. There's there's probably at least three or four when I look through the list. 
Prepare to be surprised. We can debate that next week. Let's talk about the biggest news in local college football this week. It's not that JMU lost and their season's over, and uh, we don't have much to say about that. I have a theory on that. Yeah. Has something to do with what we're about to talk about. We... A lot has happened in Harrisonburg since the last time you guys have heard our voice on the podcast. And that was Coach Houston getting called by Charlotte, him openly telling the media that he responded to him, was interested, looked like that's where he was destined for. And then East Carolina says, well, oh, we need to fire our coach to give Houston a chance to be here, which is something I predicted three years ago. I told my wife three years ago, I'll drag her out here right now so she can vouch for it. I said three years ago, he's going to end up at East Carolina here soon. He does. He goes to East Carolina. Charlotte rescinded their offer. Houston goes to ECU because that's what he would have taken if he had the two choices still laying in front of him. And he is the new coach of the Pirates. A lot happened. Yeah. So a lot has happened. And let me just say this. If you are friends with me on Facebook, you've probably seen me get in a couple Facebook debates about this very topic on why this kind of thing happens and why it will always happen. Um, I I don't have a problem with Coach Houston leaving. Um, It stinks that it was leaked when it was. But you know what? Uh, I don't really care who did it or the motives behind it, because if Coach Houston did it to try to get the ECU job or some other better offer, that's fine. If uh, I get that, it's it's his prerogative. If Charlotte leaked it, trying to hope to discourage other teams from coming out. okay, I get it. It backfired. And now they don't have him. And we'll see who they get. Um. JMU fans, for the most part, have been understanding and positive. There are quite a few, though, that live in what I like to call Narnia, and in the sense that they their first comments are, Charlotte and ECU, well, JMU can beat them. Why is he going there? Um, let me stop you. Both of those teams have way more money than we do. So first, money talks, FCS walks. He's getting like 1.3, I think I saw today. I think that's what his number's getting texted. Uh, Jamie's not touching that. No. Not touching that. Money talks, FCS walks. Nobody outside of JMU or another FCS team cares about the FCS National Championship. I've said this before. Let me say it again and play it over a loudspeaker so everyone that has their earmuffs, take them off for them so they can hear this because they need to hear it. The FCS does not matter a meaningless quote meaningless bowl game is more important than the fcs national championship that game will make more money than the fcs national championship will for jmu that college football playoff as long as the games kick off conference usa or the american conference where east carolina is it would be conference usa for charlotte but the American for East Carolina is in the same boat. They get about $4 million as a conference just for the games getting kicked off and that money gets split. Let me tell you, the CAA does not get $4 million for the football playoff being played at the FCS level. So that's more money right there. You get more money in sponsorship and TV deals because those conferences get a bigger draw than the CAA. If you think Masson is going to put up anywhere near the number for ESPN to get the Sun Belt, you are on drugs. So <laughs> stop it. Stop <laughs> pretending. And if you think the SES National Championship is cool 
that's fine, but you're wrong because nobody else cares. Mount Union, who wins the D3 National Championship, or at least plays in it every year, has the same clout as North Dakota State in the average fan's mind because they just don't care about your level. That's true. As soon as you drop below 1A, I mean, as soon as you drop below 1A, period, you're, everything's the same to the average fan. And because everybody hears about Man- Mountain Union every December and everybody hears about North Dakota State every December into January, everybody just puts them in the same thing. There's two different classes. North Dakota State would smash Mountain Union, sure. But in the average fan line, that's, they're the same. And, that, and the money is, is not that crazily different. Now, it, it probably is different, but it's a different magnitude down there between this little bit of money and this very little bit of money. And then the one double A that's way mountains up higher. One so a. One, sing, one A, one single A up there, way, way higher. So it it is interesting to see fans' reaction thinking that JMU is a better job than than even Charlotte. ECU, I think I think once it was he's going to ECU, I didn't hear as much uh, beat back about it because I think people acknowledge that's a better job. Charlotte, they didn't think it was a better job. Charlotte is a better job. Anything 1A is a better job. And you also got to you got to factor if JMU thinks they can beat East Carolina or thinks they can beat Charlotte, that's fine. They probably can. But Coach Houston's going there to change that where they won't be getting beat by 1AA's and that they'll go beat, you know, ACC opponents that that ECU is going to get every year and 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 even Big 12 opponents I think I saw on their future schedule. Virginia Tech on their future schedule. So that, you know, that's what he's going there to build that program up and have it play like a UCF. That's his that's his goal. You think JMU can touch UCF? They can. I, I talk a lot down on UCF on here. They're not touching that top level of any of those bigger, somewhat bigger conferences in 1A. Now, I agree with you. And again, let me let me hit real, real hard to the JMU <laughs> fan base. Liberty, I do think you have been clear. Liberty is a better job than JMU. <laughs> Old Dominion is a better job than JMU. Appalachian State is a better job than JMU. And this one's going to really sting. You know, wherever it weathers went, Texas State, better job than JMU. So go That's ahead. Go ahead. Tell me about how awesome JMU is and how everybody loves it. And we're going to convince a coach to stay there because Harrisonburg's a great community, raise your family. And they all bought into it when coach Houston said that last year, when he signed his extension, I laughed because when people were like, well, he wouldn't say that if he didn't mean it, like, well, what do you want him to say? I hate it. And I can't wait to get more money and I'll bounce as soon as I do. I mean, folks, when he said last year that he had FBS offers and he turned them down, they must've been for teams that went and 12, like San Jose state or something out on the other end of the country or Hawaii, because it would not, if the money and anything location were close to equal, he would have been gone like he is now to East Carolina, a team that won three games last year. And he is going to make an entirely absurd amount of money compared to what he would make here. And until you decide to go FBS, you're going to get worse, by the way, because I'll tell you what else Coach Houston realized this year. It's harder to recruit at the FCS level when everybody in your state is moving up but you. You're Not only are you behind Virginia Tech and UVA now, you're also behind the Liberties, the ODUs. You are getting the fifth best players in the state of Virginia now. That's best case scenario. 
Yeah, I think uh, just I'm I'm pausing there because I think I don't think they were getting the the fifth best coach the players. I think I think they were doing a little bit better than that, maybe fourth somewhere, slightly better than fifth. Without a strong coach in there, without a good hire, yeah, they will be fifth. But you don't know who they're going to hire yet, and that's kind of where I wanted to take this conversation. And then that's going to circle us back to a, a point there. I uh, want to credit uh, Greg Medea here, friend of the show. He's been on. He'll be on again. Um, thought about having him on this week because he had plenty to talk about. I just was on. I'd rather get him after they hire a coach. So anyway, moving forward, he put out a great article. I'll uh, tweet it out. But they had in-house candidates, Donnie Kirkpatrick, the offensive coordinator, uh, quarterbacks coach. That's a likely scenario. Candidates with ch- ties to JMU, Brian Steinspring, Brian Thewalt, uh, Drew Manger. The only num- name on that list that's that familiar to me is uh, Brian Steinspring. If you guys, if if JMU wants a Mickey, a Mickey Matthews type guy that might stay there for a long time, that's your hire. That is not who you should hire. You do not want that. If JMU wants to stay at competitive for national championships in FCS, you need to get a young, hot coach that's going to leave you in three years. That's what you want. If you want to win at this level and and win that national championship so you can brag about winning the 1AA championship, get the young, hot coach that's on his way that's going to leave you in three years and just be ready to hire another one again. Yeah. Yeah. North Dakota State does it. Yeah, which is why I would be looking to move up as soon as I can. But yeah, agree that you got to hire someone so, with goals in life. If you hire somebody older yeah. who's wants to be an FCS coach for the rest of their life, you're going to get a guy who's not committed and a guy who's not going to be able to compete year in, year out. Maybe you win one every five, eight years, but, but don't act like these guys that are up and comers like Houston is Houston's a good coach and, and East Carolina is not his last stop. Don't act like no, those guys no. are committed. They are committed. He's he was fully committed to JMU while he was here. No, no, no. I'm saying go, he's out the door. I'm saying if you want to get a guy who wants to be an FCS coach for the rest of his life and doesn't have future goals and aspirations, I'm saying if the you want to hire somebody like that, you're only going to be competitive once you're going to be talking national championship once every five, maybe eight years, probably conference that, about that, the same. And, and that's the Mickey Matthews coach. Yeah, exactly. So a lot happened up at JMU. They'll hire a coach probably before we come on again. I would imagine they'll get someone in there pretty quick. Um, their season did end. Do you know how long it uh, took to decide if we were going to go FBS or not? You know, that's the good point. And that's something I, I didn't hammer on there. You want to go, if you're a program that's, you're talking as a program. Do you want to go up or not? You're going up to the real deal. That's what it is. You want a coach that wants to coach at the real deal. Maybe you hire a coach and say, Hey, you're an up and comer. We want you to build this program into being an F uh, BS competitor. We want you here for the long term. You might be able to get a young guy to stay, but you're going to have to move up to. Yeah. Well, my point is it took us a while to do that. We've hired another firm to help us find a football coach. It's going to be a while. It's the same firm. They have on speed dial. Okay, Leland, let's talk about big boy football now. The college <laughs> football playoff rankings came out. Um, I got to be honest, uh, Oklahoma made it in at number four. The top three stayed the same. Uh, Alabama won. They'll play Oklahoma in the semifinal at the Orange Bowl. And then yeah. Clemson plays Notre Dame at the Cotton Bowl in Arlington, they, Texas. But and I gotta, they did that so Oklahoma wouldn't be in Dallas and it'd be a home game for them. Sure. And probably because Miami is somewhat closer, I guess, than Dallas. I don't know. It's probably about six one way, half dozen yeah, other. But it's keeping Oklahoma away from Dallas. Mostly. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
But I got to be honest, Leland, I was thinking about this after watching the Alabama-Georgia game. I slept on it for the night, and I woke up, which, by the way, was a fantastic yeah. ball game. Super upset that Georgia couldn't get that win. But um, uh, I was thinking if what we're supposed to be doing is putting the four best teams in the college football playoff, Georgia should be in ahead of Oklahoma. I think a lot of people are conceding that today, that Georgia probably is one of the four best teams. Hell, they might be one of the three they best might teams. Be, might they be might one be of the, the two second best, best team. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm okay with them not being in because as we hear on our podcast all the time uh, that we both listen to, Tony Kornheiser podcast, it is a TV show. If Georgia wanted in, they needed to win that game and they didn't win. So give Oklahoma their shot. And it is confusing to me how the probably the argument that they take Oklahoma ahead of Georgia is probably the the opposite of the argument of having Georgia ahead of Ohio State. So just the the transitive logic there doesn't make sense. But what I do buy into is Oklahoma lost one game and they lost a tight one to Texas and mm-hmm. then they were able to avenge that loss. Yep. Georgia had a 20-point loss to LSU. Ohio State had a gigantic loss to Purdue. I, right there, that's probably enough for me to just nod my head and say, okay, Oklahoma's in there, and let's go. No. Um, Georgia lost to a— I don't want to start debating, a- like, short victories, small victories. I don't want to start debating that because they all have a list of those. Yeah, I'm just saying— it- I think the purpose of the college football playoff should honestly be, let's put the four best teams in. I think that is the the reason we were told we're only getting four teams is because only four teams ever deserve it. I don't think Oklahoma deserves it compared to Georgia. I think Georgia's better. I think if you play Georgia-Oklahoma, that should be the decision. Georgia-Oklahoma on a neutral field, who you think is going to win that game? I'm going to take Georgia by three scores because Oklahoma can't stop them. I'm going to take Georgia by at least a full score, by at least a full touchdown. But yeah, I'm not... Uh... Oklahoma can't stop them. Their defense is non-existent. Yeah, but they might be able to keep up with them pretty darn well. They're going to get run out of the building by Alabama. College football, we've known this for a long time. Even in this uh, new playoff format, it is about when you lose. It does mean something. Now, Alabama lost the other year, I think, uh, against Auburn and still got in. And it was a late loss and still got in because it's Alabama. And then they went and won the thing. But it does matter how you lose in general. If And if you already have a loss on your schedule and then you lose your second game, it's it's hard to put a team that's lost twice. I know one of those losses to the number one team. It was a barely lost. You you really could have won it, but let put the team in there that only has one loss. It's an agreement. This college football playoffs is an agreement between those five conferences. That's why UCF ain't getting in. That's why UCF equivalent won't get in because those five conferences are going to be represented. The people that are in charge of that thing aren't going to make mad extra people in that conference unless it's a very good reason. And the other year they had a very good reason because they, they put Georgia and Alabama. It was last year. They put them both in there, but they're not when there's an option not to do that, to keep the conferences more happy, to not take a one loss team and get them jumped by a two loss team. They're going to do it this way. And it's not so extravagant. It's not so crazy that it's, it's should be, you know, uh, protested against. I think it's fine. I think it's going to make for good matchups and we're still going to see Clemson, Alabama again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, when we watch Oklahoma lose by 28 to Alabama, please tell me how this was a great TV show and this was the best thing for college you football. 28? I saw them beat LSU by 29. I think LSU is better than Oklahoma. 20? I think that's I saw that's them do that at Death Valley. And by the way, LSU plays defense. 
I, I I don't think it'll be that. You're 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 so quick to always put 21 point victories or 28 point victories or okay. Well, victories. you know what? Then on uh, December 29th, I'll text you uh, and say, "Hey, you watching this game?" And you'll go, "No," because it was a 21 point game at the end of the first quarter. I have other stuff to do. What? So what's your number? What's your number? Uh, I'll conservatively say. Conservatively say 28. Joe is right number. I want to know the J- Joe 28 is right number. conservative. That's a conservative estimate, 28. 28. So if it's 27, you're wrong. I'll be closer than you at one <laughs> score. I think I think Alabama wins. I don't think it's 28. I think it's 10 to 14. So I'll oh, take I'm going to be so much closer. Huh? I'm going to be so much closer. Uh, I had a, you'll be closer. It ain't going to be 28. It is not going to be 28. We'll see. Also, uh, about- Notre Dame's going to get trucked by Clemson because Notre yeah. Dame sucks. Notre Dame <laughs> does not belong in the top four. I said that early in the season. I said they're going to get in the top four after they beat Tech. They're, they're going to be in the top they four. I just don't think they are in the top four. Don't 14. deserve to be there. I think, honestly, I'd rather. We want to talk about UCF. If UCF had to play in a BCS conference, they wouldn't be undefeated. Yeah, neither would Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a believer in Notre Dame. I don't see them proving us wrong. Um, I think, honestly, that's my strong opinion is Georgia's better than Notre Dame. Let's move everybody up a spot and get Notre Dame out of there. But I also get tired of Notre Dame fans really quick. Don't worry. Their season will be over very quickly when Clemson dismantles them. Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban, the two best coaches in college football, though. So we're both picking Clemson, Alabama final. That would be, what, three out of four years, those teams? No, they played last year. They played last year in a semifinal, though. So they've played... This would be the third time they play if it goes the way we think. Mm-hmm. Man, that's just good for Dabo Sweeney getting the team there. It's just going to be funny when he leaves there for Alabama when Saban leaves. I said that a couple weeks ago. I don't know if we were on a podcast or not. I said that, uh, and they said that on other podcasts this week. So I, I think that'll I, happen. I agree. Um, Alabama's going to win. Yeah, I hope we'll it's close. The national championship when we get there. We'll yeah. probably be recording that night. Hope uh, it's close. Let's move on. Uh, let's stay in college. Let's go to basketball. Not too much to talk about. Tech lost. Not shocked they lost a game before January, but still not happy it happened. But Shocked uh, it was to Penn State. I just don't think the Penn State loss is as terrible as the ones we used to have. Even in years we were yeah, decent, no, we you're lose fair. to... That's fair. We lost like, to Alabama State one year. I mean, that's, Left tire state or something. Yeah. You know, we'd lose to someone terrible. Penn State is at least from a Power 5 conference. They were decent. UVA kept winning. They're boring as heck to watch is all I know. Yeah, and they love when you say that. They'll be sure to tell you about how they're not boring. They just play basketball fundamentally and whatever. And then you watch them lose to UMBC, and that doesn't define their season. I want to see if we can go one week without talking about UMBC. I don't think we can do it. I don't think we can either. All right, let's go I'll take the under. NFL, the Steelers gave up a 16-point second-half lead, blew that game. That's the first time they've lost a home game when winning by 14 in the second half. Um, Disappointing. That was hot. But it was a good team. It was a good team. They're just not that great. I think they were terrible. Like, I thought they were terrible at the beginning of the season. Then they've looked pretty good. They're just somewhere in the middle. They're going to make the playoffs, and they'll, you know, go quiet into the night. How many how many times in a row do you think the Steelers would have been called for offsides had they had to re-kick it again? Because, by the way, even the one that went through the goalpost, they were, offside. they were offsides. The guy just jumped past the ball. He was so offsides. 
I was so mad because I so wanted to just go to sleep and they were up by 23 to seven or whatever it was. They were, they were up and I was like, great, I'm just going to go to sleep here in the second half. And then the chargers came back and I couldn't get, it just uh, and they kept jumping messed up my whole weekend. Wouldn't let you go to bed. <laughs> How'd your Ravens do third straight win for your quarterback there? Yeah, we're winning in spite of him, not because of him. In none of the three games that he started, has he thrown for 200 yards? He's fumbled the ball at least once in each of the three games he started. <laughs> He's He fumbled three times against the Falcons and lost one. If it didn't mean RG3 had to come in, Stanley TKOing him by booting him in the face was the best play of the game because he was absolutely killing us. And... I'm sorry. He's got two touchdowns, three picks, and he runs the ball way too much. He is not the reason we're winning these games. We're winning in spite of him, not because of him. Our defense is the reason we're winning these games. I just like that he is your quarterback of the future. They're going to get rid of Flacco. He's going to be the guy. It's you already hate him. You're already talking it negative. It's going already the worst to quarterback be that's ever terrible. <laughs> Love it. Skins, uh, we don't always say when we're recording. They're on the TV right now in front of me playing on Monday Night Football, so we're not going to be able to talk about the Skins this week. Um, you know, they had they were looking good there for a while, but things have kind of turned around these last couple weeks, losing some quarterbacks. I think I saw another one walking off the field a little bit ago. Oh, um, wow. It's it's just not looking good for Skins, which if if you made the playoffs this year, you're ahead of schedule, honestly. You you, you should be 8-8 well, eight eight this they're year. They're not going to have a coach if they lose if they don't make the playoffs. I think they're going to lose their coach. Okay. I think they're going to lose their coach. Well, then I think they, they're I not they really anything on schedule then because it's an entirely new schedule if you fire your coach. You don't know what uh, you're walking into. I guess you're also going to see what's happening with Alex Smith and if he's going to, if it's a Thosman injury or not. He'll be back. It's 21st century. That's what I say too. All right. Anything more to talk about in the sports world or do we want to get to Tim? Now, let's get to Tim. All right. Tim's been waiting. Stay with us. Let's have Tim. Welcome back to the Yak Sports Podcast. We are now joined by Tim Hayes from the Bristol Herald Courier. First time guest of our podcast, though. Uh, Tim uh, has helped me a lot in the past with stats and stuff because seems like uh, Riverheads is always playing from someone from Southwest Virginia come playoff time. But, Tim, thanks for coming on. Hey, uh, thanks for having me, guys. All right. It's a rematch. We know that. We'll get to that. Let's talk about Chill Howie and uh, let our listeners know more about them. And let's start with talking about the season as a whole, what got them to uh, this point and uh, how dominant they've been. Go ahead and tell us about it. Yeah, well, I mean, everybody expected this back in August that it was going to be Chilhowie yeah. and Riverheads again. I mean, Chilhowie, 20 of 22 starters back from last year's team. Uh, bigger, stronger, faster, as you would kind of expect. Uh, I know they hit the weight room pretty hard pretty much uh, on the Monday after they lost to uh, Riverheads on that Sunday afternoon in Salem. Uh, the most impressive thing to me has been just how focused this team is. I mean, they haven't overlooked anybody. They haven't had any slip-ups. Uh, they haven't trailed in the regular season game. They uh, trailed in a benefit game against Ridgeview at 2A school. But in the games that counted, they've never trailed. So uh, that's pretty impressive. They've also had to deal with some off-the-field things. Uh, Will Walker, a star running back at the school, uh, he passed away in September. Goodness. He, he, he had been a star running back, I think, in the mid-2000s there. And he, he still helped out with the program when he could. And uh, 
he passed away in a tragic farming accident in September, and that really hit the community pretty hard. And uh, actually, they wear number 22. One player will wear number 22 each week to honor him because that's the number he wore. So uh, that's really, really brought them closer together, that tragedy. Well, that's, uh, that's a, you know, a big uh, tragedy like that. It's hard to, hard to overcome things like that, but uh, sometimes it can provide a little uh, more motivation or, or, or focus when, uh, you know, he's a former football player. Uh, let's talk about some of the results as the football season went through. You said they really weren't challenged much. The closest game they had uh, was a 23-point game in the regular season, and then uh, come playoff time, they – it was it Patrick uh, Patrick Henry that they uh, beat even worse in the playoffs? Is that right? Yeah, they had beat them 46-23 in the regular season. Uh, both teams entered that game at 8-0, and uh, T.H. scored three touchdowns, which is the most uh, TDs Joe Howie's given up in a game this year. But in the rematch, I mean, it was 49-6. Joe Howie triumphed in that one, and they just pretty much dominated in that one. It wasn't even close. Well, and then, you know, you get to Galax last week, and the Maroon Tide last year gave Chilawi about all they could handle, but Chilawi won that game last year. And then this year, Chilawi kind of, again, like you said, you know, second time around, Chilawi this time dominates this year uh, playing Galax at home. Yeah, Chilawi, or actually they played that game in Saltville, which caused a lot of uh, commotion there uh, over where that game was going to be played. Yeah, what, what was the deal there? Why did it keep moving? Well, the Chilhowie field had been in pretty bad shape uh, with some rain we've had in the area, and uh, they originally moved it on Thursday to Emory and Henry, but uh, Chilhowie preferred to play on natural grass, so they moved it to Saltville on Friday, less than 24 hours before the kickoff of Saturday's game, so uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty crazy, but like I said, they, they didn't let it bother them. That's, like I said, the focus of this team is pretty impressive. They were unfazed. And, so, uh, or go ahead. So how how did that game go? I know uh, you know Chill Howie jumped out quick, but uh, talk about the flow of the game and some of the big plays that happened. Uh, I was uh, Chill Howie dominated up front, which you can't really say that often against the Mark Dixon coach team at Galax. You know they're always known for their powerful linemen and their weightlifting program, but uh, Chill Howie really just controlled the line of scrimmage. Uh, that was the fewest points Galax had scored since they beat uh, Riverhead 7-6 in the 2015 state championship game. So uh, they just dominated. I think they left. They were disappointed they left a few points out on the board. They had a couple of interceptions and a couple of drives uh, stall out. But pr- pr- pretty impressive performance. So rematch, Riverheads again. And, uh, you know, all our listeners know everything there is to know about Riverheads, and they hear about hear us talk about them every week, and we're on the radio about them every week uh, recently in the playoffs. Um, I guess the simple way of putting this is, you know, what is Chill Howie going to do different this year to make this a, a different ball game? Well, like I said, I think they are bigger, faster, and stronger than they were a year ago. And I also think their experience is going to help uh, – some of the players said they were just kind of happy to be there last year and this year they kind of expected to be there and kind of know what to expect. So, I mean, will that be enough to make a six touchdown difference? I don't know, but I think it'll be a much closer ball game this time. So you talked about last year being happy to be there and now this year they're kind of expecting to be there and that kind of goes along with what's been trending out of Chilawi, the hashtag unfinished business going on uh, at Chilawi High School. 
talk about you know how that's a motivating factor for this team because I know you've said they're bigger, faster, stronger. A lot of guys returning, but uh, I've watched Riverheads last year and this year, and I feel like this year's Riverheads team is bigger, faster, stronger too. Mm-hmm. So how are they going to make up a forty-two point difference in this unfinished business stuff? How is that playing into it? Well, I think that's the million-dollar question: is how they how can they make a six-touchdown difference in one year? I mean, I guess we're going to see on Saturday at noon. But uh, yeah, I mean, they've used that as motivation. I don't. I think they think they were a lot better than they showed last year in the championship game. And like I said, they've really taken that unfinished business motto to heart. I mean, they haven't overlooked anybody. They've stayed focused, uh, and it's shown in their games. So, I mean, they it's pretty impressive what they've done. I think it's I think it's easy to uh, I don't think you have to take too much convincing to say that Chill Howie was probably better than they showed last year. I mean I think uh, coming into that game I would have been pretty shocked to say forty two nothing and they were down on the goal line last year early in that ball game and just couldn't get into the into the end zone. I think they had three plays from the one yard line. If they score there, there's a little different momentum going after that. That said, Riverheads proved to be the better team. Um, I'm not going to make you necessarily put a score on it, but if you've seen enough and heard enough about Riverheads over the years to know what they are, and, and if they were different than what they've been for the last 20 years, I'd tell you uh, they're not. They're the same. How do you see this game going, acknowledging the fact that you want to keep your readers, keep reading your articles? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, having seen, I think having seen Riverheads is a big uh difference too i mean they had never seen them coming up last year but like you said they know what they're going to see this year i mean until you till you're in there against it you don't really know how big riverheads is and just how methodical and how sound fundamentally sound they are and so i think that'll uh make a big difference too haven't seen them and like a lot of the same players on both sides will be on the field uh I, I don't know what the score is going to be or a prediction yet. I'm still kind of mulling that over, but I think it will be a close game, close game this year. So I want to ask you, Tim, uh, if Chilawi is going to win this game, what are they going to have to do? What's going to be the big difference? Uh, I think they're going to have to force some turnovers. I don't think Riverhead yeah. turned it over last year in that game. Uh, and like I said, Riverheads is usually fundamentally, I know they had a couple of turnovers against Essex there. So I, I think Joe Howie will have to take care of the ball themselves and then maybe force some turnovers from Riverheads. Last year, Chill Howie, you know, you made the point of um, being happy to be there. They celebrated just going to the state championship quite a bit. I mean, they had the events through, throughout the week, down at the diner or whatever. They had the radio <laughs> interview. They went to Virginia Tech on the way. What do they have planned this week? Is it a similar uh, celebration parade, or is it a little more straightforward? A little more straightforward this <laughs> time. I think they're just sticking to business and not letting that outside noise uh, affect them this time around. So do you think it affected them last year? I think it did a little bit, yeah. yeah. Like I said, when I mean, it's tough on high school kids when you're not used to playing into December, which Riverheads is. Uh, show how he wasn't last year. I mean, it, gets, it grinds on you mentally, physically, and when you're the last team left. Uh, in this area like they were last year. I mean, (laughs) you've got a lot of distractions. It did kind of surprise me last year when they're at the diner with the radio interviews and they're talking to the guy that they explained as being like the third string receiver. I just thought it was kind of funny that he was getting a radio interview. But 
you know, it was it was it was nice for him, but yeah, maybe this this year it it can go a little better for him and uh, maybe have something to celebrate on the back end. Yeah, I think they're like I said, I think they're just staying with the what's got them here, and uh, they kind of they kind of don't want to have that deer in the headlights look they had last year when they get up to Salem Stadium. All right, Tim. Well, I really appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, look forward to seeing you down at Salem, and uh, I think it'll be. Uh, I think it'll be a better game this year, no doubt. Um, I know hopefully, Joe. Hopefully, a little warmer weather too. Yeah, warmer weather be nice. Maybe no snowstorm uh, ahead of the game. Uh, looks, it looks like there will be one behind the game, but uh, hopefully, nothing pushing this game out of the way. Um, but thanks for coming on with us. Look forward to seeing you down there. And uh, oh yeah, before we go, we usually ask our guests, uh, and this is this is off the wall here. Uh, we we go in the end of our podcast talk about you know, what's dominating our life, you know, maybe things outside of our jobs or sports coverage that's dominating our lives, whether it's a Netflix show or something on TV or some kind of event, uh, you have anything to what's dominating your life outside of writing for the paper? Uh, not much, uh, this time <laughs> of year, but, uh, I really liked, uh, Cobra Kai. I don't know if y'all saw that on YouTube, the Karate Kid reboot. I got into that pretty good and waiting for season two of that. All that's right. That's a good recommendation. That's a di- that's a different one than we've gotten, so that's good. So, well, all th- right, guys. I appreciate thank- it. Thanks for coming on with us. All right. Have a good one. See you. All right. Welcome back to Yak Sports Podcast, D-Block, where we uh, get outside of sports sometimes. I don't know how much of that we have today. Uh, Joe, what's dominating your life? What's dominating my life is what a wonderful Sunday for sports. Uh, the Ravens won. Everybody that they needed to lost. And then I watched my DVR version because I had to go to a company Christmas party Sunday. Uh, I was right in the middle of the Merseyside Derby, which I told you guys about uh, last week on the podcast. And what a game it was. Look, I'm going to say the score and you're going to roll your eyes and go, yeah, typical soccer game. one nothing. Let me say this. It was the best one nothing game ever played, perhaps. It was a fantastic game. Both teams went up and down the field, had great opportunities, goalies making insane saves, and the game ends on the very last seconds when Liverpool has what looks like a wasted opportunity where their defender, of all people, is trying to sideways kick it into the goal. Whiffs, goes off the top of his leg, looks like it's going over the goal, but the Everton goalie reaches up, and it's up for debate on what he was trying to do, whether he was trying to push it over or catch it. It looked like he was trying to catch it. But when he did, he tipped it off his fingertips. It bounces off the top of the bar, falls back into the field of play where a Liverpool striker is standing next to the goalie and heads it in for the winning goal. Amazing finish. Great for soccer. Uh, what a fantastic game it was. And uh, look, Liverpool wins the Merseyside Derby again. I think it's something, you know, it's starting to get to UVA, Virginia Tech kind of streak where Liverpool is just dominating Everton. And it's it's great, great day for the Reds. They still only two points off the top of the table in Manchester City. I mean, it sounds like a great finish. I can respect a one nothing finish. I, I respect the game of soccer enough for that. And especially when it's two good teams, it's when it's like two mediocre teams and it's zero zero when it's when it's Virginia Tech Wake Forest zero zero at the end uh, when Frank yeah. Beamer was coaching. That's that's the issue of. Any game with no scoring between two crappy teams is not fun to watch. Two good teams, it can be fun. I mean, some great football games have been, you know, 10-7, you know, 
that kind of stuff. So uh, there was a header. Yeah, there was a header by Everton earlier in that match, too, where he is point blank range and the Liverpool goalie makes an incredible save. The ball gets behind him and the defender slides at the goal line and clears it. Amazing. That's awesome. All right. Let's dominate my life. I said I wasn't going to be all Christmassy for for a month here, but it's what's dominating my house. So it's it's what's up. The Grinch dominate my life. And it has ever since I've had kids. I always liked the Grinch when I was younger, too. I, I was away from it for some years. It's now back heavily in our house. My daughter likes to watch it at least once a day. She can recite pretty much the entire thing. Uh, it's kind of crazy. When she was like three, uh, my cousin or uh, my niece, her cousin, was reading the book. And Peyton just started telling her what, like, she was like pausing on a word, trying to read it properly. And and my 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 oldest just told her what it was because she just has the thing memorized. So it dominates my life. It's on constantly. We went and saw the new one. It was it was nice. It was it was cool. It wasn't it's it different. wasn't it wasn't the Grinch. It wasn't it didn't make me have the exact same feeling. But it was cool. It was different. It was nice. Uh, it's worth seeing at a point in your life. Um, we had fun. The kids loved it. Um, but yeah, the Grinch dominating my life and, uh, it will continue to probably for the next decade, <laughs> which now when you're saying before this Grinch and you keep saying you watch the Grinch over and over, which version of the Grinch oh, are you watching? I am definitely talking about the old, what is it? Sixties cartoon animated. Okay. Dr. Good. Seuss's good. Animated. Good. Uh, that's the Grinch. That I is assumed the Grinch. your kids were cultured and were watching the proper Grinch. Yes. We, my kids hardly know the Jim Carrey Grinch and I'm not good. saying Jim Carrey didn't really dive into the role and really do everything he could with it. It's just a darker movie and just more sassy than I like for a Christmas movie uh, for my for the kids. Particularly, I, I, I enjoy a National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It doesn't have to be all warm and cuddly for a Christmas movie. But for the kids, I like the old Grinch and this new Grinch is nice, but we'll always be an old Grinch family. Good. What do you know that I need to know? Those Army uniforms for the Army-Navy game are hot. Love them. Um, look, if I'm going to go based solely on looks, they're not the most visually appealing things ever created. But the symbolism behind it is really cool. And that's what makes these uniforms awesome. It's honoring, of course, 2018 is the 100th year since the end of World War One, and Army is honoring the 1st Infantry uh, Division who went to Europe and basically helped win the war for the allied powers. And they have a giant red one on the front of the helmet. Um, the big red is the big red one is on the uniform, the Jersey. And, uh, it's really cool. And this game is so much more than football. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, you know, Riverheads fans will love it because it's basically their offense being run twice <laughs> in the game by both teams. But, um, the the cool thing about this is it's so much more than football. It is two teams that are full of people that are going to not play at the next level. And they're going to represent our country from going from the football field to the field of battle after this and protecting us. And, I, I you know, it gets said quite often, but it's never enough hats off to those brave men and women who do serve our country in the armed forces. And that's what this game's really about. And it's really cool to watch these two teams play every year. I love that they got it to its own weekend and how it's its own thing. and lets everybody watch it. And I think it does get a decent number. I mean, probably not as high a number as you'd like it to get, but still gets a, it's the only game in town. 
It's a good number. It does mean more. It's really cool to see all the uniforms in the stands. It's really cool to see the post-game um, celebra- uh, celebration. I don't even know what word I was trying to say. Uh it, it is. It's more more than football there. And as much as they compete, as soon as that clock stops, it kind of gets back to real world. And, and you got to appreciate that. Uh, it is fun to dump yourself into an SEC Saturday and, and really think something is meaningful is happening when Alabama plays LSU. But in real life, it doesn't. And this game really just proves that. And it's it's fun. It's fun. And I love that they've set it up. And now they have the different uniforms like every year. And it's there. Those companies are just putting it all into those uniforms, Nike and uh, is Under Armour the other the other team? I'm not sure who makes navies. I don't. I think they are because it's in Maryland, but maybe not. Maybe it might not be. They went with the mascot as the theme for this year's uniform, which is okay. Yeah, and and sometimes they're not always that great. I mean, I really love those helmets that were like the two tone with the white and then the gold wrap in the back, and then like now other teams have that. So like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you know Nike dumps on some new ideas there. So I like that. And but yeah, the meaning behind everything is obviously what it's all about. So uh, really cool. What do I know that you need to know? And I think I said we said this a couple of weeks ago, but the Heisman is in a week. Uh, that's you know comes on after the Army Navy game. It comes on that night. I don't. I can't remember the last time I watched a Heisman Trophy uh, ceremony. It, it's. I think when I have, it's kind of driven me crazy because it's just all. They think so much of themselves. I, I'm not going to be to the Heisman Trophy this year. I think Tua probably deserves a good shot, but heck. Uh, he went out of the game last week, and then the team won. So I, I don't know how that affects voting. I guess Kyler Murray is going to be another name in there. They could invite whoever else they want, I guess, to Kyler the ceremony. Murray's. But I don't care about the Heisman. That's what I know that you need to know. I just don't care. It means nothing to me. I can't remember who wins the award uh, two years ago and back. I remember Reggie Bush won the award because they had to take it away from him. I remember Michael Vick didn't win the award. I don't. That's about all I got on my Heisman history. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't think the Heisman means as much now as it used to. Uh, it's And you're right. It's become a lot like the college football playoff show. I didn't watch the college football playoff show this year, and it was the best thing ever because I didn't have to sit there and be teased. It's like the tournament selection show has become. Well, let's talk about it for an hour, and then let's start to reveal the brackets one game at a time. Um, it's ridiculous. Just tell us who's in the field, and then talk about it. The people who yeah, want to I- listen will listen. And the people who don't will then shut it off because you're talking about stuff they don't care about and they're not going to do that. And then it gets leaked online and you freak out. Um, With the Heisman Trophy, you know, it's a little different because the envelope is the only thing that is there. And you're not talking about a whole committee room full of people that are going to risk their Heisman voting ability to celebrate the talk for an hour before. Yeah, it's disgusting. And I, I just I don't care for an individual award that. I don't get its meaning. It's an award that actually is duplicated multiple times throughout the season. You have a best offensive player of the year, which is basically what the Heisman Trophy is. You have a Maxwell, the defensive award. So when when Sue was there, he he won that. You don't have a most valuable player, which is probably what the Heisman Trophy should be. In which case, nobody from Alabama would win because you could take out any starter at you Alabama. You take two out and put, plug uh, in Jalen Hurts, and they're yeah. fine. So it probably would be someone like a Kyler Murray who will probably be who wins it this year. But I mean, at the end of the day, do I care? No, Kyler Murray. I'm sorry. I know he's doing good at Oklahoma. I don't think Kyler Murray's success translates to the NFL. I think he no, better stick doesn't. with that baseball career. So he could probably go be like a Ravens quarterback. Now, though. Kyler Murray. Yeah, um, <laughs> Kyler Murray. 
already got drafted in baseball. I think he should pursue that. He is a great athlete. I just don't think his game will translate to the NFL. I just wonder if he gets enough hype about his NFL. If he, if he goes and tries it for like one contract and then comes out, like make that big money and then come play baseball. I don't know. It's an idea. I don't know if he'll do that. I just wondered. I don't know, but let's, we told the people we're going to do this at the end. Leland, let's do state championship predictions. We've kept them all waiting the entire time. Uh, you're, I, I know what your prediction is. Cause you've already, you said it in August when we knew this game was going to happen. I think Riverheads wins. That's my prediction. I think it's by multiple scores. I don't predict 21-point victories very often. And when I say a 21-point victory, I I mean 21 points is what I'm thinking. I'm not just thinking blowout like crazy, like you generally mean it. I think it's a three-touchdown game. I think it's more than that. I think I last think... year, I mean, it was 42, nothing last year. I think, I think both teams are better. I know chill. Howie's better. I also give them credit for probably being a little bit better than they showed last year. I think they get on the scoreboard. I just don't think they get on there that much, maybe a time or two, but that's about it. Don't blink folks or you'll miss when it was close. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they win. I'm less nervous about this game than I was last week about the Essex game. And, and maybe that'll come back and regular me. Maybe season. this will be an opening in, in a week to come here. <laughs> where, or any uh, game in the regular season short of Stonewall. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's a shame. You know, I've talked, I don't think he'll be offended that I bring this up. I talked to Coach Casto when we have their games in person during the week to get our pregame interview for the radio station. And there hasn't been a week of these playoffs that gone by where he hasn't said, why are they in this format again? Why are they back to regions? They had a perfect system for single A when they had split the state in half and you had 16 teams and went. He said he liked how they played teams he never thought they'd play. You know, all of a sudden they're playing some some team he's, he doesn't even know of. You know, going into the playoffs, you didn't know that it, you were just going to play. You're going to have a bye week. Then you're going to have William Campbell. Then you're going to have Alta Vista or the opposite of that. And then you're going to have Essex. Like, you could see it coming. We all could. Everybody could. It's not just the people that know what they're doing. It's it's the idiots that have podcasts that talk about football that know it's coming. And it would be cool if single A, because of the size of the schools, could maybe break away and not have the regions. So it creates a little more fire in these playoffs than what it has been, not only in Region B. Everybody knew Chill Howie was coming, was going to at least get to the uh, the state semis there. They knew they were coming out of Region uh, D. Galak, it's just all these teams you could just predict, and maybe they still get there in the end, but maybe they actually get challenged before they get there. Then they and the cool thing about the system they had there for a couple of years, you had the cross bracketing where you didn't just play a team from the in your own bracket in the state semifinal. You went to the other side, so you had a better chance of getting the best two teams in the state championship game. And last year, it was really, really said that the two best teams played each other in the state semifinal between Riverheads and Essex. I don't know if that's the case or not. It looks that way on the scoreboard, but this year he could easily probably make the same argument again. No, um, Essex is not a better team than Chilawi, in my okay. opinion. Maybe um, they're not. I think this is a bigger problem than that. Um, one, the reason the VHSL didn't stay with it is because and it's a saying- little different than the FCS argument, but the 1A brings in the least amount of money for the VHSL, so they're going to go with what the helps the bigger the ones. Money. Yeah, yeah, they're going to go with the ones that make them the most money, what helps them. <laughs> and for every other classification, 
the new system works better. So I, I get why 1A teams are upset about the change. It, it makes sense to me why they're upset about it. I think they're probably right. The old system helped them more than it helped the others. Um, but that's why they, they changed it for money reasons. And I get why the VHSL did that. Uh, it makes sense to me. But I think it is because Riverheads plays pretty much no 1A teams during the regular season. So they play teams better than most of these teams that are playing in the playoffs all the way up through. Uh, I'm not sure how much that changes with the change in playoff format back to the old ways because Riverheads just plays teams that are good 2A teams. They play good 3A teams sometimes. And I think, to me, that just prepares them for something they're not going to see in the postseason. And these teams haven't seen that. And Riverheads has outgrown 1A in terms of ability in football, unfortunately not in terms of school enrollment numbers. Yeah, and their numbers are going down. I think here's the counterpoint to my argument, and so I'll, you're you're kind of disagreeing with me, and I'll throw you a bone. Um, split the t- split the state in half. So take region A and region B and put them in one side of the state, and take C and D and throw them on the other side of the state. That's how it was. Sixteen seeds, one plays sixteen. Guess who Riverheads would have played first in the playoffs? Stonewall Jackson. 0-10, Stonewall Jackson so still would have made the playoffs, would have been the 16 seed, and still would have been a terrible game. So instead of a bye, Riverheads would have had to play a 16. So as much as you want to – that Coach Castro says that every week, and that's, I said this to him in person last week when he brought it up and said, I wish they were back in the old system. I said, you know who you would have played? Stonewall. And he kind of just blank stared at me and kind of laughed because it was there's, – there's just no way to fix everything. There's no way to fix a classification that's that small in the number of schools – and just no, that. I mean, no, 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 no. A and or class one, two, three, four, five, and six all have the same amount of schools or within one or like within one or two schools. Like it's evenly distributed. That's what drives that line of where the uh, classifications are separated. Okay. There, I need to rephrase. You're right. I do need okay. to rephrase in terms of talent. Yeah. The haves and the have nots are very, very far apart. And I think really, if you want to get down to the nitty gritty, it's one. Riverheads, Big Gap, Chilawi, Essex, Galax, maybe Northumberland or, you know, someone of that ilk. Big Gap, the next tier of teams, and then yeah. you have a whole lot there at the bottom. Yeah, you're probably right. I guess you would just have a better chance of some of those. If you did do the old system, you'd have a better chance of some of those teams at least having a chance to knock off the upper teams in a higher round instead of them knocking off each other, getting to the region championship. Sure. I would, I would agree. Um, you'd still have first and second rounds that I'm so, I would love to see Riverheads play Goochland or Graham, whoever wins the class two championship. I think that would be a real game for Riverheads. I don't think they're going to have a real game this entire postseason. They're playing every team they played last year. They have beaten every team that they played last year. Uh, again, this year worse. (laughs) And I have a feeling that we're about to watch, Chilawi Massacre Part 2 this weekend. I think Chilawi is the team I probably give the most respect for to for probably being better than they were last year. So that's why I don't think it'll be a worse beating. I still just think Riverheads wins. It's my opinion. Yeah, it's okay. You're wrong. People at home can't see you roll your eyes. Yeah, they're, it's fine. <laughs> they're wrong. You're wrong. They're right when they listen to me. But that will do it for us here on Yank Sports Podcast. 
Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Podcast, and retweet us. Comment on the Twitter and the Facebook Talk links. Trash to Joe directly. I'm talking to you. Hey, you that texted me this week. Yeah, you're you're smiling because you think I'm talking to you. I am talking to you. Tech or tweet at Joe directly. <laughs> tweet the podcast feed directly. Get on Facebook. Talk trash. Rob to him is directly. exactly right. By the way, uh, we didn't mention that during the Coach Houston bit, but Rob, uh, I saw his comment on there about the straw breaking the camel's back was me ripping the FCS constantly. Uh, he's right. But uh, Mike Houston the knows problem that. Is he texted me before he said that tweet. <laughs> I love it. I thought it was hilarious when I read it. Um, but yeah, it was smart. It's true. Um, pro- well, probably not the part that I'm the factor that Coach Houston left, but what I said is true. Coach Houston knows it as well. If they fire Fuente at Tech, then you're having some pull. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, and my ego will definitely be very inflated if I thought I had that much pull. But that again, that will do it for us here on Yak Sports. We'll be back next week. Uh, be sure to comment. Tell us if you have something that we're not talking about that you want us to be talking about. Let us know that, too, because we try to cater our episodes to the fans. And we're going to get to winter sports here. We know we're a little late with it. Our lives are still revolving around football just because we're still covering it. We got basketball previews coming up. We got wrestling previews coming out. Don't worry. We're going to talk winter sports starting next week. All right. Well, until next week, for Leland McRae, I'm Joe Deck. Good night. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.